Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Right Year Screenplay Podcast. So it's New Year's Day. And that means that if you are like most people, and certainly if you're like most writers, you probably just set a New Year's resolution for your writing. The truth is you probably set a New Year's resolution last year for your writing. You probably set a New Year's resolution the year before for your writing. In fact, you've probably set a ton of New Year's resolutions for your writing, which raises the question, why don't New Year's resolutions work, right? If these resolutions were actually working, you wouldn't need to set a new one every year, most likely. But the truth is, most people, most writers, don't keep their New Year's resolutions. And I'm not just talking about artists, right? You're in great company. Everyone who's trying to lose weight, go to the gym, uh, eat a healthier diet. Everyone who's trying to spend more time with their family, finally quit that job, finally do the things that matter to them, right? We all struggle to keep our New Year's resolutions. So the question is, what makes it so hard? And how do you set resolutions that you can actually keep? To understand how to set New Year's resolutions you're going to keep for your writing, we have to understand why New Year's resolutions generally don't work in the first place. And we have to kind of explode some of the general misconceptions of what it actually takes to build a life and a career as a screenwriter. Uh, writers come to me all the time, uh, writers who are blocked, and, and they always say the same thing. They say, Jake, I need discipline. I need discipline. Help me get some discipline. How do I find some discipline? I just really struggle with discipline. And I always go, you are an artist, right? Of course you struggle with discipline. Everybody struggles with discipline. But artists by nature are rebels, right? And what happens if you discipline a rebel a rebel is going to rebel. And it's important to understand that when you're building your life as a writer, when you're setting a resolution as a writer, you're not just setting a resolution for the adult part of you, right? The, what I call the editing brain, right? The really smart adult that knows like, I got to set these very clear goals and then I got to show up at these specific times. And if I just do this again and again, I'm going to get to where I want to go. You're not just setting resolutions for that part of yourself. You're also setting resolutions for the child part of yourself, the subconscious mind, the actual writer inside there, right? Who is not a polished adult with an agenda, right? Who is a brilliant, intuitive artist and who is still, for most of us, a child, right? Who thinks like a child. And it's your inner artist's ability to speak like a child, to think like a child, to write like a child, to imagine like a child, to play like a child, that actually makes it a great writer. But when you're building a New Year's resolution, you're not just building it for the adult part of yourself. You're also building it for that subconscious, childlike, creative mind in you. And that part most likely is a rebel. And if you punish a rebel, if you, if you discipline a rebel, if you're tough with a rebel, the rebel rebels. So if we want to actually be successful with our New Year's resolutions, in other words, if instead of just beating ourselves up for not writing, we actually want to set New Year's resolutions that set us up to successfully write, then we have to change our whole relationship with our conscious and our subconscious minds, our writing brain and our editing brain, the part of us that has an agenda and the part of us that just wants to play. We have to somehow get these two parts into alignment. I like to think about writing like a dance, 
between the conscious and the subconscious mind. Uh, if you've ever danced with a lousy dance partner, you know there, there are two kinds, right? There's the lousy dance partner that is throwing you around the dance floor, right? That's, that's pushing so hard that you're just kind of like a rag doll bouncing around, right? And that's no fun at all. When, when somebody's putting too much pressure on you on the dance floor, it doesn't feel like a dance, right? It feels like It feels like someone is overpowering you. It feels like you have no control, right? Uh, it's not particularly fun. It's not a dialogue. It's not a communication. And, and this is the relationship that a lot of writers have between the two parts of their mind. Often because our education system, uh, because so many of our value systems are kind of built on this Henry Ford assembly line model of life, right? And we are taught to be very rational, very practical, even though really all the neurological evidence suggests that that's not actually how anybody makes decisions. Um, we're taught that we are supposed to think in these very practical, very pragmatic ways. And what often happens is our our conscious mind ends up kind of like the abusive parent or the bad dance partner throwing that poor subconscious mind around the dance floor, right? Uh, and just totally overpowering it. And one of the reasons it's easy to overpower your subconscious mind, your writing brain, is because for most of us, that part is underdeveloped. It's underdeveloped because our, our educational system doesn't value it. It's underdeveloped because having a voice and being unusual and saying things in your way is scary in our society, right? Because, because it's actually hard to not conform and to do things differently. Um, and because we've been told our whole life to grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up, right? Um, but we really need that subconscious writer to not grow up. We need that subconscious writer to be a child with us on the page. So often we have a kind of underdeveloped subconscious mind. And if you've taken screenwriting classes with people who have only taught your conscious mind, they've probably made that problem even worse, right? You've read some gigantic book that's this big, right? Or you've been trained by a PhD graduate who maybe never wrote a script, but has all these really brilliant conscious mind ideas about screenwriting. And what happens is we're like, it's like if you built your biceps, but you never worked your triceps, suddenly like you can't move your arm right? You've, you've put so much effort in developing this piece, and now it's pushing that poor subconscious mind around the dance floor, right? It's barely in dialogue. Really, your conscious mind is dancing with itself. It's barely aware that it has a partner. Um, for some writers, uh, this throwing around on the dance floor happens the other way, right? Um, some writers really identify as artists. I am an artist, right? No one's going to tell me what to do, right? And for a lot of these writers, they're getting thrown around the dance floor by their subconscious mind. Uh, writers like these, they can generate brilliant material anytime they want, all the time, but they can't take a note. They can't figure out how to put it together. They can't quite find their structure, right? And and often the reason they can't is that they're they're afraid. They're afraid that once that conscious editing brain gets in there, it's going to act like a tyrant. It's going to throw them around on the dance floor. They don't want that. So they're going to throw it around on the dance floor. And they put 
all of their energy into educating the subconscious mind, right? Into being an artist, into developing their voice. And that's a wonderful way to be, right? It's a wonderful way to grow. And it makes the writing very compelling, but it makes it very hard for them to actually succeed in their careers, right? Because the truth is to succeed, we, we need both sides of the plan, right? So we get these two different kinds of artists, right? We get, and they're both getting thrown around the dance floor and having no fun. We get the artist who is totally conscious brain oriented, right? Totally letting that conscious brain throw them around the dance floor. And, and then we have the writer who is totally subconscious brain oriented, right? Who is letting their subconscious mind totally overpower all the rational and practical sides of their writing process. So that's the first kind of bad dance partner. And if you think about yourself, you would probably recognize that at times, at least, all of us are bad dance partners for some part of our writing brain. But there's another form of da bad dance partner, too. And this is the floppy arm dance partner, right? So sometimes you're dancing with a partner who's giving you just the right amount of pressure, but you're just kind of given the floppy, floppy, floppy arms. And if you've ever danced with somebody like this, you realize that's no fun either, because with a floppy arm dancer, it doesn't really matter how much pressure you put, right? It doesn't matter how much you bring to the table. You can't get them to react. And so a lot of writers have this floppy arm dance problem, right? Where they're actually afraid to engage with some part of their brain, right? So this is different than the, the artist who is, I'm not going to listen to you, conscious mind. I'm not going to listen to you rewrite notes. I'm not going to listen to you, producer, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're not also we're also not talking about the writers going, I'm going to do it right. 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 And throwing that poor little conscious brain around, or, or often it's nastier than that. Why didn't you? What's wrong with you? You're so weird. You suck, right? It can be even more aggressive than that. What we're talking about when we talk about floppy arms, we're talking about a writer who is afraid to push. And, and usually the, the, the reason that a writer is afraid to push is because they're looking for validation from somewhere outside of themselves, right? So rather than saying, what do I want this movie to be? They're saying, what's it supposed to be? Instead of saying, how does this character sound to me? They're saying, how do you write good dialogue? Right. Um, instead of saying, I love this scene, how do I translate it for somebody else? They're saying, do people like it? Is it good? Right. And so what happens for those kinds of writers, they're not getting thrown around by the internal process. What they're doing is they're actually shape-shifting so much, right? I'll let it be anything as long as somebody says it's good. I'll do anything anyone tells me to do as long as I think I can sell it. I'll write anything, whether I have any attachment to it or not, right? I will take any note, whether it makes any sense or not, right? I will listen to 15 different coverage readers with 15 completely contradictory opinions, and I'll try to integrate all of their notes, right? Um, and usually that floppy arms comes from the desire to make it good by somebody else's standard, rather than the desire to either on the subconscious level, this is what I see, hear, feel. This is what I want it to be. This is what I want to say. This is the question I want to ask. This is what I connect to. This is the journey that I want to go on. This is what matters to me. 
or on the, this is the truth of this character. This is who this person is. Or, or on the conscious mind level, she said, I should do this. And then she said, I should do that. And then she said, I should do this. And then this guy said, I should do that and this and this. And then this guy had this criticism. And then this guy says it's supposed to be like this. And then my mom didn't like it. And then I saw a movie like this and maybe it should be like that, right? So we have those two different parts of ourselves, but it's the same thing. We're floppy arms, right? We're actually being so wishy-washy, so all over there. It could be anything, right? So all over the place that we don't allow it to be anything. So what are we really trying to do? We're trying to build a perfect fence. We're trying to get just the right pressure from the writing brain and the editing brain, right? We want just the right amount of pressure so one moves and the other responds, the other moves and the other responds so that they are in a beautiful dance with each other that's, that's effortless, where they're barely thinking because they're actually communicating with each other all the time. And when they're out of alignment, what ends up happening is writing freaking sucks, just like dancing sucks, right? If you are dancing with a strong arm partner, it sucks. And if you are dancing with a floppy arm partner, it sucks, right? Writing becomes no fun, right? It becomes so high pressure. If we're the floppy arm person letting something exterior tell us what our script is supposed to be, man, we just feel kind of lost and no matter where we push we just kind of absorb it right there's there's no drive we just feel stuck as of course we don't want to write and if we're the strong arm partner right we're pushing so hard it's so intense that it's no fun at all and our subconscious mind's having no fun either because it's trying to give just the right amount of pressure and it's just getting totally overwhelmed and then we try to fix this with of course a very conscious mind approach right okay um, what I really have are two kids fighting. So instead of going like, hey, kids, let's get along and let's learn how to communicate with each other. I'm going to go, well, you suck. And therefore, you're going to commit to doing this very uncomfortable, very unpleasant, horrible, poorly coordinated dance on these particular days at these particular times in this particular way. Right. So what ends up happening is we go, OK, I'm just going to double down on this crappy dance that I'm doing even though I haven't built any infrastructure to actually make it enjoyable. So of course, of course, we end up not doing our New Year's resolutions, right? Because what we're really trying to do is push us to do ourselves to do something that is unpleasant on an internal level because our two parts are not in connection with themselves, right? They're not in communion. They're not in conversation, right? They're like, they are like this, right? Or they're like this right? And either way, that makes the writing process impossible. And, and you can think about this with your other New Year's resolutions, right? If, if, if you haven't gone to the gym for a year and you're suddenly like, I'm going to go to the gym. Well, sure, that's great. But you're probably not because most people want to be healthy, right? Most people want to feel good. And if you're a person who wants to go to the gym enough to set a resolution for it, you probably somewhere in there's a part that wants to, but it also means there's a part that doesn't, right? Otherwise you would already be doing it. So we got to get those parts into alignment for these resolutions to actually be successful. Otherwise we're just doubling down on the problem. And, and then of course, what really happens is we set this resolution that, to do something that we already can't do at a minimal level, right? And we set a resolution to do it at a maximal level because we want it so bad or that part of us does, right? 
we usually come in with a very conscious mind approach, right? You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And we don't come in like, you know, come in like the nice parent, like, uh, you know, so talk to me. Hey, what are your ideas, right? We come in like, you are going to do this this time, right? Um, we come in with an attitude towards ourselves and a tremendous amount of pressure, maybe some anger or resentment, right? Or uh, depending on what kind of person you are, maybe some kind of pie in the sky hopes. And I'm going to just, I'm going to take one weekend and I'm going to write my whole script, even though I haven't written anything in years or ever really studied with anyone good or really have any experience of this. I'm going to take a weekend. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to write the whole script. And then my career is just great. We either set like a pie in the sky, dreamlike goal that has nothing to do with reality. Or we set a like hard ass, like, oh, I'm going to get tough with myself goal. That has nothing to do with reality. And then what happens is the rebel part of us rebels and the conscious part of us, right? The the adult, right? Gets angry at the child. And what we just did was basically complicate the complicated dance, right? We just made the dance even more unpleasant because now we have even more pressure coming from one side and either more pressure or more floppiness coming from the other side, right? And, and, and we've completely lost the dance and we've just made an un, a, a situation that was already hard for us even harder. Uh, now, there are a million other reasons why New Year's resolutions fail. I do one of these podcasts every year. So go back through the library, listen to all the different reasons. But this is the reason we're talking about this year. If we want to get our New Year's resolutions to work, we got to get our conscious mind and our subconscious mind in balance with each other. We got to improve the dance. And here's what's really important. You don't improve the dance by improving the better dance partner. You improve the dance by improving the less developed dance partner. So if your conscious mind is used to ruling the roost, if you have a very conscious mind approach to screenwriting, to art, to life, to plans, if you're very adult in your thinking and can't figure out why you can't get this damn screenwriter kid to play with you, um, the answer is not to double down on the adult. The answer is to ask yourself, what kind of exercise does the subconscious part of my mind need to build its strength so that it can stop being spaghetti arms or so that it can stop getting pushed around by this other part of yourself? That's going to mean a change in both the way the conscious mind dancer works, right? She or he or they have to give less pressure or it's not going to work. Um, but also we need to build up the force of the subconscious part so that, so that it can match that pressure. So if that's what you need, uh, you need to remember that just like going to a gym, right? <laughs> and look, I'm not on a pedestal here. I'm, I keep on bringing up going to the gym because that's where I'm failing, right? Um, that's the part of me that I got to get these two parts into alignment. But this is a normal Jake going to the gym, right? Jake decides, oh, it's New Year's. I'm going to go to the gym, right? And then ignores all of his own advice and goes to the gym for three hours and works out like crazy and feels great. I did it until the next day. Because the next day, this weird realization happens, which is I can't actually straighten my arms. I can't walk. And I'm so exhausted, right? Because I just pushed myself so hard without any infrastructure around. I would have been much better off going to the gym for 10 minutes 
doing an exercise, leaving, feeling great and feeling a little sore the next day and wanting to go back. Go back to the gym for another 10 minutes, right? So part of this, remember, you're dealing with an unexercised part of yourself or you wouldn't be having this problem. So if that's a subconscious mind, you want to create small, safe places for the subconscious mind to play. Small, safe places might mean I'm going to write seven minutes, three times a week, literally whatever comes out. And I'm going to actually allow, because my, my little subconscious mind, like a little baby child, right? It's still kind of drooling on itself, right? It doesn't know how to walk yet, right? It's still kind of finding itself. And it's probably used to having a parent kind of leaning over it like, hmm, I don't know. What about this? Did you think about that? Well, what about that? Well, that's not going to work. Well, don't do that. Well, don't do that. Well, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Right? Like that, that's the relationship that most of our little subconscious child children have. So we got to go, okay, look, conscious mind adult, literally your only job is to bring the kid to the room, right? Literally your only job right now is Set a specific time and make sure that kid shows up at that specific time and make sure it's short enough. Remember right now, this kid is used to this experience sucking, right? It's used to this experience feeling like getting beat up by the subconscious, by the conscious mind, right? Micromanaged by the adult in the room, judged, criticized, picked on, pushed, disciplined, right? It's used to this not being great. So imagine you're bringing a kid to the dentist, right? going to feel so much better afterwards, but right now it still feels like you're going to the dentist office. So set it for a small enough amount of time. Bring the kid there with love. I highly recommend finding a sacred place for that kid to play. Um, a sacred place doesn't have to cost you any money. You don't have to rent an office. A sacred place can be a, a seat at your couch where you don't normally sit. A seat at your kitchen table where you don't normally sit. Uh, don't make it your desk where you do work though, right? Make it a place where you literally only do writing or whatever your art is. Don't check your email there. Don't check your text messages there, right? Don't work there. Don't, don't pay your bills there, right? This is a sacred place. And practice gently bringing your creative child to that sacred place at that specific time. That's your job. Show them up, drop them off to daycare. But once they're there, and maybe give them one thing to look at, but not like you better do this. Something more like, hey, it might be fun to play with these two characters today. Hey, it might be fun to just, let's write about what does that person's bedroom look like and what do they do there, right? It might be fun just to write a scene where they want something, right? Give them like, if they need it, give them like one really simple direction. And if that's too much, give them direction, write a really bad scene. Just write a really bad scene, whatever it is, just let it come out bad. Give them that direction because any child can do that, right? And then take your little conscious mind out of the room and let your subconscious mind just show up and write for that seven minutes. The only thing is they, they just, they can't get out without writing nonstop for seven minutes. And I really suggest making it nonstop. Um, don't allow that little subconscious mind to think because what's going to happen is your, your subconscious mind isn't strong enough right now probably to think without the conscious mind going like well have you thought about that so you want to write non-stop because you want to get past the conscious mind throw the conscious mind out do the bad version of whatever you're doing make it for such a short amount of time that you can't fail 
set a little timer. When the timer goes off, even if you're in mid-sentence, unless you want to keep writing, stop. You want to teach that kid that it's allowed to just play. It's allowed to just have fun. That the maximum amount of direction it's going to get from your conscious mind right now is one thing that, hey, this might be fun if you choose to do it. Just a point, right? Not guidance. Just a, hey, you might want to look over there. Give it that one thing to focus on and let it go play. Let it go play repeatedly. Short bursts with more frequency are way better than long bursts with no frequency. We need frequency because we want the kid to get used to coming to that sacred place, sitting down, doing its thing, having a great time, and realizing I don't get judged, I get rewarded. Realizing, hey, I'm starting to get good at this, right? This is actually fun. This doesn't feel like what it used to feel like. Nobody is bossing me around anymore. The conscious mind is sitting outside. I get to go play for seven minutes. If I want to, I can play for 10 minutes. If not, I can leave. If I want to, I can play for 20 minutes. If I not, I can leave. If I want to, I can play for an hour. But if I don't, I can leave, right? It's starting to realize it has some choice, right? It's starting to realize that it can have a lot of fun, whether it's playing inside the parameters, but it can also choose to play outside the parameters, right? You're just building the strength. And when the writing is done, bring your conscious mind back in. But don't bring the conscious mind back in to tell the subconscious mind what it could have done better, what it did wrong, what's not great about it, why it sucks, right? Remember, we got to build up this part so it can find enough confidence to have strong enough arms to actually do a dance with this hugely overdeveloped part of it that is so much more adult and so much more imposing. So we got to get it built up, right? So come in like you would a child, but not like you know, you know when people do that voice with, oh my God, what a good job you did, right? That is a condescending voice, right? That is the voice of the conscious mind that goes, I'm the adult and you're the child, right? And I'm, I know this stuff and you don't, right? That, that's not the voice you want because that doesn't build up the child's confidence, right? That makes the child think that the conscious mind knows everything, right? What you really want to do is you want to go, okay, this is the work of a child. And a child that's been underdeveloped because it's just been underused, right? Because not my own fault, right? All the education I've ever received in my life, most likely, has been backwards. Maybe not backwards if you want to be an accountant, but certainly backwards if you want to be a screenwriter. And certainly backwards if you want to really enjoy your life and really be at harmony with yourself and not just make money. Um, so, you know, we have this underdeveloped part. And that means that some of the writing that this underdeveloped part does is going to genuinely be beautiful, but others is going to be like a step towards beautiful, right? Some of that writing is going to need more development, just more strengthening, more confidence, more precision, more practice. So it's about coming back and going like, okay, my conscious mind, by the way, is mistrained right? Not out of bad intentions, out of good intentions, right? It thinks it's supposed to be the authoritarian parent, but it's not, right? It's supposed to be in a dance with an equal, right? So bring it back in and go, okay, conscious mind, I know you're going to have a thousand things that you want to change, that you don't think are good enough, that aren't going to work. You're going to be asking yourself, does this even matter? Is it, can I even use this? Is this even going to lead to where I want to go? Will anybody like it? It's going to have all those questions. What I want you to do is I want you to look your conscious mind in the eye and go, okay, 
You don't get to do that right now. All you're going to do right now is you are going to look for beauty. You're going to make a list. Start with the things that are genuinely beautiful. Uh, and, if, and if you have trouble finding anything beautiful in your writing right now, that's okay. That's not your fault. That's poor teachers in your past that made you feel or didn't train you to see the beauty in yourself. So that's okay. If you can't find something beautiful, find something true. This feels true. This feels true. This looks true. If you can't find something true, find something specific. Well, that's specific. Well, that's specific. If you can't find something specific, find something, find something that could become specific. Or find something that, well, at least I recorded that the way I saw it, right? Or the way I heard it, right? Look for something that can be built on. And not just one thing. You're only written for seven minutes. It's going to be short. Look for as many things as you can find that can be built on. Make a long list of those things. When, you're, when your conscious mind and your subconscious mind are in a great dance with each other, what you'll actually be able to do is you'll actually be able to make a list of, of an equal list of the things that are beautiful and can be built on and the things that are problematic. But if you try to do that right now, your conscious mind, if you've got the weak subconscious and the strong conscious, if you're, if you're used to being thrown around the dance floor by the conscious mind, your conscious mind, even if it has the same number of things on the list, is going to be so much more forceful that it's going to overwhelm that subconscious mind and you're going to continue to have that resistance to writing. You can't bullshit yourself. You can't lie because you're, and you can't be kind of, oh, well, what a good little circle you drew, right? No, we're not going to be like that. We're not going to be condescending. You have to actually push your conscious mind. And luckily your conscious mind is good at being pushed. Make it really work harder to find the beauty that can be built on. Make it really work harder to notice what is already potentially beautiful, potentially true, potentially specific, potentially thematic, potentially an indicator towards something that could be written in the future, potentially a gift that could lead to an idea, potentially a moment that if you've taken my classes could be mirrored or foiled, right? We, we want to find those moments. And if you struggle to find those moments, it means you need some good mentorship. Right? If you're not able to actually identify the things that are working, um, if you're not able to start there without tearing yourself apart, it means you need some good mentorship. You need someone who can actually train you to learn how to notice that beauty. Because remember, it's an undeveloped part of your conscious mind, or it wouldn't be throwing your poor subconscious around the dance floor. Right? You're, you're, if you're struggled to do this, it means your conscious mind hasn't been trained. Right? Or maybe you lack the craft knowledge to even know, to tell the difference between what's working and what's not working. Sometimes it's actually too hard to know. And so you might need some better training to actually learn how to do that. And, and that's one of the ways you can know if your screenwriting teacher or if your class is actually helping you, if it's actually good, right? Because not every class actually helps. One of the ways you know if you're getting good mentorship is a person telling you what's wrong and how to fix it. Guess what? They're not very good at their jobs because even if they're 100% right, they're going to be engaging your conscious mind and they're going to be ignoring the subconscious work. Whereas good mentorship is much more likely to say, hey, look closer at that. That feels true. I know this doesn't look beautiful yet, but it's going to be. And here are some tools you can use to make it beautiful. So if you are if you are struggling in that way, you really need to build up the subconscious mind. You really need to 
allow that subconscious mind to help you build what you need to build. Um, and if you learn how to do that, over time, your subconscious mind gets more and more confident. And it also, the more confident it gets, the more it wants to write, right? Because kids love to play. Adults struggle to play. We're like, I really should do the dishes first. The kid's like, I want to play, right? The only kid, reason the kid doesn't want to play is because you are abusing them. And you've been abusing them since they were tiny, since you were tiny. Not your fault, not out of negative desire, but out of positive desire to help, but not understanding that you've got to speak a different language. Um, you want as many, as much frequency, you want specific times, you give the conscious mind its job. Your job is to make sure that kid shows up, whether it wants to or not, and then giving it a point towards something that might be fun to play with. That might be, hey, well, we had all these ideas, all these things that could become more beautiful. Um, maybe start, we can start with a rewrite. Or, well, this gave me an idea for another scene. Maybe we can write that scene, right? Give it a little point. If the kid does something else, that's fine. We just want them to learn to play in the playground. They're, the conscious mind's job is to make them show up. And for right now, then to show them what's beautiful. Until they are strong enough that you can actually feel that dance between the two. Until that dance is actually built. If, on the other hand, your subconscious mind is really the one who is throwing the other end around the dance floor, right? If you're having trouble rewriting, if you're having trouble thinking, if you're having trouble structuring, if you're afraid of breaking it, right? If you're afraid of losing that inspiration, if you're having trouble showing up when the muse isn't there, or on a bad writing day, right? Then what we actually need to do is we need to strengthen the conscious part of the mind, right? So we might do the same thing. We might spend seven minutes planning and you're gonna be like, I don't wanna do it, I don't wanna do it, right? We might spend seven minutes planning so that we can then spend as long as we want playing. We might spend seven minutes rewriting so that we can spend as long as we want playing. We might spend seven minutes writing the scene that we need in a way that's pragmatic and practical, even though it doesn't feel inspired. So that then we can spend as long as we want, we can reward ourselves with the play. So if your subconscious mind is too strong and your conscious mind is like, I don't know what to do here, right? And the subconscious mind's like, don't tell me what to do, right? If that's you, use the play as a reward for doing a short amount of work. And once you finish that short amount of work, before you start playing, have your subconscious mind turn around and help the conscious mind see where it was actually connected. Hey, I know you were just kind of plugging numbers here, but this is actually kind of cool. Hey, I know you were, uh, you were just kind of trying to figure out a rewrite here, but this actually moved me. Hey, I know you were just really trying to find the commercial hook here, um, and I don't even like that hook, and that's fine. But this little element here, this element I can actually do something with, right? So what you want to do, again, we're, we're not using fake praise. We're using real praise, right? You want to make sure that, that you're allowing the part that's uncomfortable to do its thing for a short period of time without a lot of guidance, with just a point. And then you're making sure the first experience they have when you bring the other part of your mind back in is positive. And then once you've done that, 
you can stop or you can reward yourself. But you always want to acknowledge in some kind of physical way that you actually achieved what you set out to do. And there's all kinds of neuroscience behind this. But basically, every time you achieve a goal, your brain releases dopamine, which makes you feel great. And it makes you want to do it again. And every time you fall short of a goal, your brain releases another chemical called cortisol, which makes you fat and depressed. But beyond that, cortisol is the reason you are resistant to your own resolutions. That feeling of constant failure, that feeling of being thrown around the dance floor makes it harder. So we have to actually codify our success. So it's very simple, right? You're going to build the part first that you're least comfortable with for a short period of time with the most frequency you can get. You're going to reward if you love to think. You can, you can outline for 15 hours after you just wrote that one crazy scene. But you're, let your outline grow out of it and make sure to complement the crap out of everything that actually works in that crazy little scene that your subconscious mind has wanted to write. You can reward yourself with the thing you're comfortable with. But first, you want to do for a short period of time, a short burst, something you're not comfortable with. You want to build those two parts until they actually feel in communion. If you're really strong with art, you might just need some craft skills, right? You might not need to take a really great class. We have some, right? And learn some craft. You might need to dissect some movies. You might need to learn how this, this is built. And if you're really better at art, at craft than art, right? You, mean to, you might need to let go of your craft for a little while. And just really explore your voice, really explore the limits of what the page might be, really explore writing some scenes that don't work, that kind of push the edges of what your project might be rather than what you think it is. And then you can reward yourself by doing the parts that you actually enjoy that you're more comfortable with. We're trying to build this perfect dance. And once you've built the perfect dance, especially if you have a lot of frequency at the same times in the same sacred place, what happens is you end up with a Pavlovian response where writing isn't so hard anymore because you do it all the time and because you only do it in short bursts unless you want to do more. You're trying to get that frequency so that every time the bell rings, you start to salivate. Every time you sit down in that sacred place, you know, well, this is when I just start writing nonstop. So that every time you sit down in the place, you know, I'm always going to get that dopamine hit, even if I had a bad day, because I'm going to go back in with my conscious mind or my subconscious mind, whatever part is stronger. And I'm going to use that to excavate everything that really works, even if I had the worst day of writing ever. And if I have an awful day of writing, I don't have to sit in the dentist chair forever. I don't have to go rent a cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere. I need seven minutes. And I promise you, if you give yourself seven minutes, three to four days a week, a year from now, you will not be setting a New Year's resolution for the future. If you give yourself seven minutes, three to four times a week, I promise you, a year from now, you're, you're going to be writing for, for hours. You're going to be finishing screenplays. You're going to be doing that whether you think you have time to do it or not. Because one of the amazing things is once you get these two pieces into alignment and once you realize how much you can accomplish in seven minutes, you're start, going to start to realize how many seven-minute periods you have during the day. You're also going to notice magically, even though it was impossible, that that seven-minute period starts to expand. You show up early in the morning. You don't want to do it. You're there for seven minutes, but somehow you wrote for half an hour. You're showing up late at night after work, after the kids have gone to sleep. 
your partner's gone to sleep and you're like, I don't want to do it. But the conscious mind goes, come on, subconscious mind. We're just going to show up. We're just going to do seven minutes. Just seven minutes nonstop. Have some fun. And suddenly it's four in the morning and you're still writing. You're never going to have the right time to write. Your schedule is never going to be less busy. But if you can get these two parts into alignment in little tiny blocks that are too small to say no to, if you can start to build up the strength until you get that perfect amount of pressure between the two parts, then you don't end up needing discipline to write. Because writing becomes something you want to do so badly that it would actually take pressure to stop you because you no longer have the internal war inside of yourself. You're now actually in alignment. And with that, I'm wishing you a 2023 that is a beautiful dance with these two parts of yourself. In other words, I'm wishing you a 2023 growing as an artist. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like more information about any of our classes, including our free Thursday Night Writes class every single Thursday night, please visit my website, writeyourscreenplay.com. 